Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. you pet stylists you found the groom pod welcome to our virtual salon my name is Susie, and i'm your host i'm a mobile groomer from seattle washington and anyone who knows me will tell you i love to talk especially about my job one of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show miss barbara bird hey Susie, i'm so glad to be here with you today me too. Let me tell you, I almost went on a horse ride that ended up with a horse going through the bridge. So I am grateful to be here, but I am not brave enough to go across some of these bridges that my friend goes on. Anyway, horse is getting better. If you're interested, it's on my personal feed. But welcome to episode 383 of the Groom Pod, recorded on August 20th, 2023 in Snohomish, Washington, and in Tucson, Arizona. This week, the podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors, Best Shot, Show Season, Evolution Cheers, Groomore, and Stasco, and you, our listeners. If you guys want to support us, you can go to our website, thegroompod.com, and click on the donation button for a subscription for for a one-time donation, or join us on Patreon. This week, we're going to talk about tips for those full-coated pups, and Barbara is going to explain pH to us, and I know everybody's been waiting for that because it is a constant topic. This week, What's New is brought to you by Groomore Software. If you haven't found Groomore, you're missing out. Groomore is an all-in-one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groomore has everything you need. 24-hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop mobile or house call, Groomore has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. Lucy, let me tell you something. Something happened to my phone. Like it, 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 I don't know if it downloaded a new operating system while I was asleep or something, but I can't get on, into any of my apps anymore. And I can't get into Groomore. On my phone, I can still get in there on my computer, but I can't get in there on my phone, and it is so disturbing. The problem with a freaking phone that I that I love and suddenly I hate. Yes, I'm hating it right now, too, just because you're hating it. What an annoyance that is. Well... You know what's not an annoyance are the really cool people who support us on Patreon, the Groom Pack. We love these people. We have two more donations this week on the on Patreon. So Kelly Sanford has joined us on Patreon for the first time. And Angela Jones upped her prescription prescription her subscription not her prescription she may have done that too i don't know no (laughs) Uh, angela jones upped her subscription amount on patreon thanks you guys thank you thank you thank you thank you i did some shopping this week on our yeah on amazon 
I have a new kitten, as you all might remember, and he has tiny little toes with teeny weeny little claws, and my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. So I went online on Amazon, and I found this really cool magnifying eyeglasses with a double light in the center. The light isn't worth crap, but the magnification options, there's like 10 different magnification options. Like it goes up to a hundred times. Oh yeah? Yeah. But if you pick somewhere in the middle, it works fantastic. You just have to kind of move it around till it gets in front of the right spot. Well, here's what I've discovered. I have some dogs that have a difficult time with the nail trim. One of them is one of my really short-faced Shih Tzus. When I looked at it under 50 times magnification, that dog's quicks are right, are like open at the end of his nails. And his nails are curling around, but the quicks are still there. So every time I try to take anything off this poor dog, not only does it hurt, it bleeds. And I don't... I didn't realize it, and it's not like I can see it with my regular glasses, reader's part even. It took 50 times magnification to really get a good look at just how close the quick is on this dog. Now I have to figure out how to sand around the quick without then creating painful toes. It's really awkward, but now I completely understand his nervousness when I get in there with the grinder and start working away. Because even though I'm do using a Dremel, I'm still touching the quick occasionally, and it probably is still sensitive. I had no uh, idea that his quicks were all the way out. To magnify, you're, you're making a rectangle with Is this a, a square rectangular piece that you hold? No. It's eyeglasses with a clamp that hangs down and then lenses that are like the shape of glasses, but there's no glasses around them and you just shove it up into the holder and then you can adjust it back and forward to get it into your proper view for when you're looking at feet. Send me the link. Oh, I'm going to send everybody the link. This is so cool. See, right here I have... It's only 3X and I need 30X, you know. Yes, and this has it. This has it. This has every magnification in little holder. And then it has either a headband option or uh, eyeglasses option. And it's got a LED light that is one or two lights on your nose. And it's all adjustable. 17 bucks. Whoa. It's phenomenal. I love it. Yeah. That's so good. I know. And yeah. I, yes, it's one more thing to carry around in my trailer, but it made the cat's nails much easier because I could see so easily where the quick was. I've never thought about using a magnifier actually on the dog, but I discovered something while I was grooming yesterday that, that was so cool. Yeah. So I've got this, I've got this large miniature poodle, small standard poodle that I do in a Miami clip with big show puffs because he was a former show dog and she wanted the big puffs and the big puffs are a bitch and they keep getting too long and out of shape and I'm there trying to tweak them and the dog tends to dance and around and yet, you know, she pays me a good hundred bucks to do this dog. So I want to do it right, and I'm thinking that from 
for months I've been thinking, God, if I could just like clip them down or something. And so then I remembered that in my snap-on comb for the full clipper, I've got a wall set that has an extra, extra large comb that's a black comb. Oh. And I thought, and I think it's like a two inch or something. And I thought, well, and the dog is in extended kennel time while the owner um, has people working on the inside of her home and he's still there in the kennel. And I thought, you know what? Let me just try it with this comb and see if I can't get a better shaped puffs. Oh, it worked so well. I mean, hmm. they're just all even. <laughs> you know, all I had to do, uh, bevel the bottoms of the puffs and um, and just tweak them a little bit, and they're perfect. So why wouldn't this work on my curved poodle tail? Well, probably would. So, you know, like, so I, I, I thought, oh, I'll never use that big black comb. Ha! Yes, I will. <laughs> big poodle puffs. It sounds like <laughs> I need to get a big black comb. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, uh, I don't, I don't know if they sell that one separate, but it's worth looking for. Cool. Yeah. And big top knots. I probably could do the top knot with that comb too. And have some luck. So Me? anyway, that was my little thing. So another, I have another um, story to tell. Oh, good. So I got so excited. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. Oh. For years. And this has to do with Dave, my groomer. Oh, my. What happened the other day? Dave says, hey, Barb, do you have a few minutes? I have a question. He had a question. He had a question. I've been waiting for him to ask me a question. Just waiting for him to tap into it. And he says, I've been listening to the groom pod while I'm on the bus. And I have a question. I said, okay. Hit me. He said, what is alkaline? And I went into an explanation. And that prompted me to realize that there are probably a lot of listeners that I go over their head. Yeah. So there's a lot of people. I have people who've been listening for a long time and are kind of growing with me. And I have a tendency to speak to that audience when actually I probably have more people that are plugging in and out and just starting to listen and have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. And I'm so technical. And uh, so I need to kind of dummy down well, let's not call it that. Let's just make it more user-friendly. 
There are no dumb questions. There are no dumb groomers. There's just uneducated people that don't know. And I want to reach y'all. I want to reach those new learners as well as older followers who have evolved some knowledge with me. But I don't want to assume that everybody knows what I'm talking about. So it was kind of a wake-up call for me. And I appreciate it. And I also want to remind listeners that our Facebook group, the Groom Pod Discussion Group, is the perfect place. If you listen to an episode and something goes swoosh over your head, and you think, oh, I wish I understood what she was talking about. Put it in a post on the Facebook. Say, hey, bird, what do you mean about this? Or can you clarify da-da-da? Or I need more info about pH. What is alkaline anyway? So we're going to talk about that later. But I want you to ask me those questions that occur as you listen to me on the groom pod so that I can kind of complete the knowledge for you. I'm happy to go back over something. I'm going to be going back over things because repetition is a part of learning. And um, I'm going to try to simplify and be more systematic in what I'm talking about. I think that's a great idea. I do believe that we constantly have new groomers as well as very experienced groomers that listen to us. So just like when I used to teach tap dancing where I had to teach beginners and advanced beginners and intermediates and advanced students all in the same class because there just wasn't enough of any one group. I'd have to teach a little bit differently to everybody. And I didn't want to forget those new guys because I was just bringing them into the world of dance. And you want to make sure that introduction, like to the world of ingredients, is a good one. Maybe we need to repeat the what's in a bottle seminar about now. That's a webinar. That's what I mean. That's a webinar. And we do need to have that. I don't know if you know this, but the Groom Pod now has a way to, okay, I know you know this. The Groom Pod now has a way to host your webinars. We need to get it going because that one is one that would really benefit a lot of the new people. And that one is one that we can put up and people, whenever they start their journey, can can go there. And it's a, and what's in the bottle is my kind of flagship. You know, I have two flagship presentations. What's in the bottle and coat damage. Yes, but you're so much more than just those two subjects. Yeah, and so much more and just like branches that branch off of those two subjects. But um, yeah, we're gonna that, that we're gonna do curly coats and we're gonna do what's in the bottle. And we're going to do, you know, like how to digest an ingredient list and what to know when you don't have an ingredient list. So I'm going to be kind of speaking to David in my in my mind. I'm going to address some issues. Dave is people um, 
are assuming he's beginning to look like an expert to his clients. So now they are expecting him to know a little bit about products and he's not comfortable there. So he he's listening to the groom pod and trying to educate himself. Congratulations, Dave. So happy to have you. And you know, anytime you want to say, hey, Barb, I have a question. I'll sit down and listen to it. And the rest of you just put it on Facebook. Hey, Barb, I have a question. That's a great way to get your topic on this show. And I know when I listen to podcasts, I really love it when they A, mention my name or B, answer my question. Both of those things tickle me pink. <laughs> hey, should we go on to our first subject? Yeah, let's move along. Okay. Of course, we have to send some love to our sponsors. Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold Spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max, and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance-free, ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. All right, Barbara. There is a chat going on. This is a new feature that Facebook has where you can create these chats off to the side. I'm not really sure what the benefit of it is because I think everybody benefits from hearing these questions on our main feed. So I let this one go through, though, because I was very curious about what was going on. And this is a lady who lives in Norway, and she grooms at her house, but she's a professional groomer, and she pretty much sends all of her drop coat dogs somewhere else. But this lady has a drop coat dog of her own that she's trying to keep in full coat, which, you know, is a challenge for your client dogs as well as to choose that for yourself. And so she was looking for some advice because she's finding she's not getting the results she wants while trying to keep the dog in full coat. And I thought we could talk about that since it is a common problem we come across with folks that want to keep their dogs in full coats. My first question to you is, do you bathe the dog before you do any brushing on this kind of a situation where the dog is regularly maintained but has some tangles? I do with my clients always you know almost always put it in the tub first and if there's some bad tangling that i want to um that i'm worried about i might use a gel like equus survivor or cowboy magic right in the tub before i bathe them and just kind of work it through a mat and try to tease it apart with my fingertips because that's how you know what that's how I groom my own hair I groom my own hair with my fingertips a lot um I don't actually use 
brushes and combs a whole lot. I do might use the fingertip combing um, because I have extremely fragile hair. When you use a gel like that, does it add a layer of protection so that when you're in there pulling apart the hair, you might be doing less damage or is it just a slippery factor? Oh yeah, factor? definitely. Okay. Definitely adds protection as well as a lot of slip, you know, and it, and the, uh, the thing of it is when it's a silicone product like Aqua Survivor or Cowboy Magic or those kinds of things, it, they soak into the hair pretty well. So they don't just add a lot of, they don't just coat the hair. They do coat the hair, but it absorbs the hair relatively quickly. And then when you wash, it also helps protect the hair from the ravages of the shampoo. <laughs> Assuming you've got ravaging shampoo. And we don't always know how harsh our surfactants in our shampoos are. That's an ingredient question. And when they don't tell us what the primary cleanser is and the co the co-surfactants it's really hard to know you know how aggressive the uh, detergent agent is in your shampoo so uh, to condition first will give you a layer of protection for your very super fine coats um and you can only try, I mean, it doesn't hurt to try it once and see how that works for you. And I, I, I do very little dry, dry brushing and combing of um, their coats unless somebody gets an ear mat from scratching at home and I quickly address it with there again, a silicone spray or gel to protect the hair while I pull it apart. When you're choosing products, it really does help to know what ingredients are in there and to know what you like and what you don't like or what you're looking for. It does make it much harder to make an educated choice when you're using products that don't have full ingredient lists. And well, that's part of why we do this podcast is to educate you guys on that whole list of ingredients and what they do and how they affect what you do with your client's dogs. Would you rotate products when you're doing a maintenance dog like your own dog in a full coat? Would you use the same thing all the time or mix it up a little bit? How would you approach that? I'm a mix-upper. <laughs> I'm a mix-it-upper. I'm a rotate. I do that with food too. Um, and it's how I, and it's one of my tactics for avoiding food allergies is that I, um, I kind of switch from beef to chicken to multi protein and, uh, you know, and I, I might keep it in the same, same form like moisture kibble or, you know, semi-moist um but i i rotate the, the nature of the protein and i like to rotate the nature of the uh, surfactants in the shampoos that i use so i'm not going to use 
a clarifying shampoo every single time, unless it's a farm dog or something that, or it's a, a, a show dog that gets a lot of product sprayed or worked through the coat. Um, and I'm not gonna, on the other hand, I'm not gonna use an ultra mild baby shampoo or puppy shampoo or uh, sulfate free shampoo every single time. I'm, you know, like I think it's good to do a deep cleaning every three or four times. Um, I like to do a brightener every now and then to just like help the coat uh, appear real sparkly to the eye. I like to use a um, I like to use a sulfate free on my full coated drop coats as much as I can. But there, there's a trick about the sulfate free because not all sulfate frees are mild. Oh, and when it's um, one of the main, you know, it's hard to take a shampoo that has a strong and thorough cleanser and just pull that cleanser out and drop another uh, sulfate free in there and and have that be okay because you just can't replace things that easily especially when you're going from um, a sulfate to a non-sulfate but there's a an ingredient that is often used to create a sulfate-free shampoo, and it's almost the same as sodium laureth sulfate. And that's the one that sodium 1416 olefin sulfonate. And it's gonna have that name, it might have a couple of different numbers. That's the carbon length of carbon chain. And um, I mean, 14, 16, 12, 14, it's going to be in that range and it will be a good cleanser because actually the strength, the aggressiveness of the anionic surfactant molecule depends on the length of its tail, Susie. Get out. Length of the little polywog molecules, the length of their tails determines their harshness. Another ding. 1416 is considered a real uh, effective chain link, but it's also very similar in harshness to just the most commonly used sulfate which is sodium laureth sulfate so you're not you're not changing much when you go to that olefin sulfonate uh ingredient and you just gotta know that if you don't go to something that's like lauroamphoacetate da 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 something something thionate da 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 you know like these these longer named um more baby shampoo type ingredients you're not really getting the benefit of the milder shampoo good to know all right well let's talk drying 
Because drying the coat, especially when you're trying to keep a full coat, can be really damaging and counterproductive to your ability to keep that coat from tangling in the future. So give me some drying tips. And I know what the first one is. Let me give the first one. Spray, spray, spray. Yeah, I, it's good to to spray, even if you've used uh, a good conditioner, a spray-in conditioner, um, sprayed lightly or moderately, depending on your coat and its needs. And of course, a light, fine coat, you don't want to use as much product as a coarser, heavier coat like a bearded collie versus a Maltese, okay? okay? Yep. They're going to use more spray on that bearded collie. Um, and a, a good one is the Best Shot Dirty Wash um, Plenish Conditioner. Also, my favorite one, which is the Stasco Oatmeal Conditioner, Spray-On That's conditioner. a good one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I like that one. Do you brush dry a full coat? The more I understand coat damage, the more I want to use my dryer as much as possible. But you want to stretch that coat at the last moistness in order to get that really straight look and the clean lines and all of that that you want in your drop coat. So, you know, you want to do about, oh, I don't know, three quarters or more of your drying with your air. And you want to blow it in the direction of the growth. Unless you want to fluff up a legs on a scissored dog and then you blow against the grain. But for your long drop coats, you want to pretty much blow in the direction of the hair growth and you can lift it a little bit if you want to by blowing it kind of straight up and in the direction of the hair growth but you want to you want to blow the moisture off from the skin to the tips is heat necessary to dry it straight no but it it helps and a little bit of heat significantly lowers the amount of time it takes how about those dryer brushes? Would that be a good way to finish the end of the drying? I like the dryer brushes for small dog heads and tails and ears, faces, ears, tails. And yeah, and I've done some puppies totally with the brush dryer. It just takes a lot longer. It sure does. <laughs> a lot longer. <laughs> but there again, if you can do 85 to 90% of the dog with air and then brush dryer and kind of stretch it as you dry and dry from the feet up, that's a, that's a main problem that happens in my salon. I see people drying from the hips down the leg. And when you dry from the hips down, you're going to miss some of the in-between layer, the middle area. So like do it as if you were 
combing the dog? Start at the feet and go up? As if you're combing the dog. Like, use your left hand to kind of raise the hair so that, and then dry underneath where you're holding it and get that pretty well dry. And then raise the hair up a little bit. You can use a comb, a large comb too, to hold the hair up. You can even uh, use a clamp to clamp hair up while you dry and brush the inner layers. Boy, the more you dry from the skin out, over every inch of the dog, the more beautiful your drop coat is going to look. And the more it's going to stay unmatted for a longer period of time. If you've cheated, if you've missed uh, inner intermediate middle coat in the thighs or the flank or the shoulders, that's going to mat up and come to haunt you more than if you've done a very thorough job. How do you feel about harnesses on a full-coated dog? Because that's, yes. a, that's the worst. I so wouldn't use a harness on a full-coated dog if I was trying to keep the coat ever. Ever. Yeah, although I will say this. If you're going to use a harness, only use it when you walk the dog and use a rolled leather harness if you want to keep the coat, because it's going to do the least amount of breakage. But suppose you've had to, just like this lady did, do a harness, and now you've got the tangles where the harness goes underneath the legs. At this point, I think if it were me, rather than trying to continuously detangle that area for the next 10 years, I would shave it underneath there, hide it, and let it regrow back out. What about you? Well, I shave a lot of armpits. You know, first of all, in terriers, it kind of helps you do the chest properly. You know, it, it helps to keep the chest from not looking like a bib, <laughs> you know. And it also, there's just like no sense in untangling and tugging at the armpit hair. It's tender there. It's, you know, like not a good thing. And the other area where it's real tender is right in the flap that attaches the waist to the back leg. You know that? The tuck up, the uh, the flank. Yeah, the flank area, the little flank, you know, like that's tender. So if you're going to do that when you're working on that area, use your hand to hold, if you're holding hair in your hand and use your thumb with a little pressure to keep the comb from pulling the hair all the way at the skin. Does that make sense? You put your thumb in between the, the body of the dog and the end of the hair and then you work up to your thumb and then you do under your thumb, you know, so that you're not just pulling at the skin area every time you're trying to untangle something at the outer part or middle part of the hair. I was a victim of my mother's 
gymnastics hairdos for me. You know, I did the Princess Leia. I did the cones on either side. I did the bun in the back. And I swear she used to take the pins and hammer them into my head to keep the hair <laughs> in its place. But she was pretty good about holding on to the ponytail in the areas when she brushed it out because we had to do it so often. My mother wa uh, wanted to braid my hair for years. And I fought her. And finally, she just chopped it all off and, you know, real punitively. <laughs> yeah, well, that solved that problem. But ultimately, we achieved an understanding. And <laughs> yeah, she, she tried to be gentle, but I was a sissy. My mother did not try to be gentle. She just tried to make sure it stayed in place. Nothing's worse than trying to do a you know, a front walkover on the balance beam and having one of your buns on the side of your head fall out. That was terrible, terribly embarrassing. Plus, they take points off for that. I digress. What would be your tools of choice to go through this coat? How often would you be brushing and combing at home? That kind of thing. How often would you bathe a coat like this at home? I kind of think that, I mean, you have to figure that out. But I, I do not suggest every day. I think that's too much. I think that every time we brush and comb hair, we're going to cause some breakage. So I think that you want to do sufficient to keep it from matting, but not necessarily all the time combing and brushing the hair. And never dry. Always use a spray. Always use a spray when you're doing dry hair, because if you're just... Um, Coconut dry hair is going to damage it. I know you know this, but it's an audio podcast, so you have to talk into the microphone. Well, I had to. Uh, excuse I know. Me. My, my battery is going to go dead, and you lose me altogether if I didn't do that. But uh, excuse me from talking <laughs> while I... So what what did I try to say? Uh, I was About spraying? Yeah, always. I hardly ever do a never or always, but I'm going to say always spritz a coat as you groom it when it's dry and you're better off bathing it every other week and doing a thorough comb out than brushing it every day. This is a perfect opportunity for you to Mention your latest crusade against the dreaded slicker brush. So what about slicker brushes for detangling? You know, like I, I'm going to say there's one thing that slicker brushes are essential for, and that's removing stickers and burrs from coat. So you got to keep them for those times because if that small debris, probably more so in my Southwest desert area than in your moist Washington state area. And uh, the uh, slicker brushes will definitely wear down the hair cuticle, poke holes in the hair cuticle, make crevices in the hair cuticle, and break hair if you use it over and over and over again, you know. And by the way, there's some hair experts that think that boar's hair is also 
uh, too pointy and um, small in diameter to be good for the hair cuticle. There's There are people who think it's hair on hair, so it's a good thing. But there are other hair experts that say boar's hair brushes can damage hair. So you gotta, gotta make your choice. If you still have a lot of matting and tangling happening when you're using the boar's hair brush, don't use it. I recommend a tiny coated pin slicker. I have one that's like for puppies. That's what I use to get those little tangles out of the smaller dogs. It's got nice balls. I use coated pin slickers. I've got little puppy brushes. I've got the uh, the kind of pricey. The pooch brushes and the groomer's yeah. helper brushes. Yeah, Activet yeah. So, was what they used to call them, but the flexible head. The Artero brushes have slicker brushes that have coated pins that uh, seem to work pretty good. Olga just came out with one too. No kidding. Yeah, so there's a few out there. I recommend looking for that. I got one from Safari Pet. Throw it away when they start to show wear. Get another one. I get mine. I get little pink ones and little blue brushes with coated pins from China for like five bucks or something or less. Cool. All right, let's take a break, and then Barbara's going to teach us about pH. I hope. Hey, Chris Bear <laughs> Anthony here. You may know I've been swiveling for years now with my beloved Evolution Shears, but I wasn't actually born with a pair of swivel shears in my hands. Check out our website and Facebook page for our library of how-to videos, or give me a shout for a personalized guide. Your hands will thank you. Don't forget... GroomPod listeners get $10 off and free shipping with the code GroomPod. What are you waiting for? Give them a try today. Sometimes my clients don't like a walking air freshener. When these crazy people request a scent-free option, I go right to show season. Show season true tearless shampoo and hypo conditioner fit the bill. They are totally fragrance-free and yet hold up on their own as good products. True Tearless has been expertly formulated to be gentle to the eyes, skin, and hair while maintaining good cleaning power. Hypo Conditioner is a great option as well, and it's one of our favorite conditioners with or without fragrance. So let's get fragrance-free. Use True Tearless and Hypo Conditioner from Show Season today. Go to showseasongrooming.com. Groomers, take your seats. It's time for Bee Bird's Classroom. Okay, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the basics of pH. What is pH? And here it is. All liquids have a property that is their individual level of acidity or alkalinity. pH is a chemistry tool that measures this property. Okay, so it's really a scale that runs from zero to 14, and it's divided in half. Zero to seven is considered to be acidic. Seven is the neutral point, and seven to 14 is a measure of alkalinity. 
And another term for alkaline is basic. Don't ask me why. Why do they have to throw in another damn term that's going to just confuse people who are trying to understand what is this basic? They Because we think of basic as meaning something else, like well, our bottom line or, you know, like, so why would they put that? It's an alkalinity is another term is more basic. So it's important to understand that on the pH scale, each number represents a tenfold difference from adjacent pH numbers. That is a, a pH of six is 10 times more acidic than a liquid that has a pH of seven. And a liquid with a pH of five is 10 times 10 or 100 times more acidic than a pH of seven. Most coffee has a pH of about three, which makes it about 10,000 times more acidic than a pH of seven. Yikes. Yikes is right. Yeah. Hard soaps have a pH of nine to 9.5. Oh my gosh. Looking at seven as the neutral point, seven to eight equals 10 times more alkaline. Going to nine equals 100 times more alkaline. Plus 0.5 is 500 times more alkaline. So you see that 9.5 is really uh, a great deal more alkaline than water. And, and this is why hard soap can really uh, do bad things to hair. It's not really hair friendly, any hair, human hair or even dog hair. So generally speaking, tap water can have some differences. The harder the water, the more alkaline it tends to be. But it's not going to be like 9.5. I mean, oven cleaner is like 12, right? Okay, that but makes it, soap pretty close to, to oven cleaner. That's harsh stuff. It's harsh stuff. That's yeah. right. Now, when we are measuring, when we measure the pH of skin, we're actually measuring the acidity, alkalinity of the excretions of the skin. The skin itself is not a liquid. pH has to be a liquid in solution. So we, um, we're doing like sebum, sweat, lipids of the skin. We're measuring the pH of what's coming out of the skin. pH applies only to liquids and fluids. It's been established that dogs as a species have a more alkaline pH than humans. And that fact, you know, they did like the the average of thousands of humans and the average of thousands of dogs. The average um, 
of dogs, dogs having a more alkaline pH than humans has been used like a hammer to keep pet groomers from using human shampoos on pets. Yeah, definitely has been weaponized. Yeah, they weaponized it and they use it just as a marketing sledgehammer to like scare us away. That's because in the beginning, and trust me, I was kind of there in the beginning. I started grooming in the early 70s, 71, 70, 71, when we had like three kinds of shampoo and a medicated. The truth about dog pH is that there's a great deal of differences in breeds, in gender, in location, climate. There's a lot of factors that create individual differences um, in and a range of pH from 5.5 to 8.5. So with it, with that much variability, you just can't say dogs have a pH of 7.5, which is what you'll see written. And they'll say that humans have an average of 5.5. And so blah, blah, don't use human shampoos. The truth is that dogs can vary so much that the average pH for dogs or the mean, which is a mathematical term, is like meaningless. It doesn't, you know, unless you have a way of measuring the pH of individual dogs and somehow applying an individual shampoo, you're not going to be able to uh, adapt products to the individual pH of, of dogs. It's very difficult to accurately measure canine pH, which is another reason not to trust this average thing, because a lot of dogs were measured with poor measuring tools. It sounds like it's kind of an inexact science. Like, for instance, I'm curious if the sebum measures the same as the sweat does because they're kind of made up of different stuff. I'd be curious. Yeah, well, you, good luck with that. <laughs> well, that's all it's going for is curiosity. I'm not going to go digging around in my for my pH strips to test my sweat and sebum. No, but humans humans have a slightly acidic pH of the skin. And this acidity is called the acid mantle of the skin. And it serves to uh, help create the perfect environment of the microbiome that is the, the very outermost layer on, on the skin that's just all of the biotics of the skin that serve to protect. They're the first layer of protection of the skin. 
the acid balance helps to minimize bacteria um, because bacteria do not thrive in acidic solutions. So humans have an acid mantle that automatically discourages bacteria from colonizing um, on the human skin. Dogs, not so much. And this is some scientists are now considering that possibly the more basic nature of the dog pH, skin pH, might have something to do with the greater incidence of skin problems and skin infections in dogs than in humans or cats, which are cats are like more like 6.0 average. They're also slightly acidic. So that's interesting. And we also know that medicated, most medicated shampoos are often more acidic in order to help prevent and resist bacterial infection. So acidity is not a bad thing. They're trying to make it out to be, to, to kind of keep us from using human products only because in the beginning, there were not a whole array of hundreds of choices for groomers to use, you know. And so groomers, especially people who were showing dogs, they were using people's shampoos like Pantene products were very popular. And um, uh, they, you know, show people were just not going towards the commercial industry products for groomers. And in order to kind of stop that from happening and have people, dog owners and dog groomers use dog-only products or products marketed for dogs, they had to create some fear of human products. So they created a myth that human products could destroy the acid mantle or the acid balance of the skin, well, it's not going to happen. And and the neutral, the 7.0 pH, we all go around thinking, well, if it's not one side or the other, the best thing must be in the middle. But the truth is, Dog shampoos and human shampoos vary tremendously in their pH. Yeah, dog shampoos and human shampoos, all there's a wide range in the human products and there's a wide range in the dog products. People just get so focused on the pH issue, but if you and I remember when you ran a test and I participated in it and we tested all of our shampoos and it was such a variety that it just makes the whole pH argument nil and void. Yeah, and and even more so now, Susie, because that was back in the day. That was, what, 2008 yeah, or something like that? a while that, ago. Nine, that we did that and now... There's more 
pet shampoos that have conditioning ingredients. And most of those cationic conditioning ingredients that are used in two-in-one shampoos are actually in a lot of human and dog shampoos. They only function at their best when the shampoo is acidic. They don't condition or maybe they don't. There's also ingredients that don't play well with others, uh, don't stay stable in an alkaline environment. There needs to be an acidic endpoint. So, and when they make, when they make a shampoo, when the formulator formulates a shampoo, one of the very last things that they do is adjust the pH. So they will adjust it to where they think their mixture is going to function the best. They don't necessarily adjust it to the average, which is bullshit anyway, yeah. 7.5. You know, where they do try to get closer to the 7.0 is baby shampoos and actually tearless shampoos because the 7.0 pH is more comfortable if something gets in the eye. That makes sense. Okay. So, so what is pH balanced? You'll see that on, on the label. So pH balance is often used in marketing and product labeling to indicate that the product's pH has been adjusted to minimize potential negative effects on the skin or hair. It's just, uh, it's really psychological. Marketing. It's really, it's marketing, you know. It'll say pH balance. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that the pH has been adjusted to be more alkaline for dogs. It just means it's been adjusted to be effective and safe. And it's just because people have learned to associate pH balance with it's a good thing <laughs> uh, that they put it on there. So um, now studies have also shown that dogs with skin problems have a tendency to have a more alkaline pH. In fact, so well, I've already said this. Some scientists are suggesting that the greater alkalinity of canine skin is related to the more prevalence of skin problems in dogs. Now, the, here's something I'm going to end with. The effects of a change in pH from a grooming product are quite temporary. You would think with all of the fuss that you shampoo a dog with a human product and you were just going to fuck up the skin health forever. You know, that it's just a fatal mistake or a near fatal or at least a felony. You're definitely going to harm the dog. That you're going to harm the dog, but it's not true. 
because the effects, the lasting power of the change in pH is often just two to three hours. So at the most, two or three days. You know, you would have to shampoo the dog in hard soap every day, kind of like people do, in order to damage the hair. You know, because as soon as the individual's pH balance point, whatever that is, is disturbed, the body starts working to restore the normal pH. The body ha is dedicated to maintaining homeostasis, which is balance. So it wants to maintain balance. As soon as the stomach gets too acidic, it starts, well, you know, the internal pH needs to be alkaline, while the external pH does best at an acidic level. Our bodies are so complicated. You know, and they've just been oversimplified for, you know, like in order to treat us like dummies. Yeah, we're not that dumb on this podcast. Let me tell you, we fight dumb. So look at, um, let me just go over my notes and see if I've left anything. Uh, acidic products are also tend to help tighten the hair cuticle and resist penetration of external substances. They leave the hair more shiny. Coloring agents are more alkaline to promote the deposition of color pigments. Alkaline substances raise the hair cuticle and leave hair less shiny and somewhat rough. Alkaline pH also contributes to loss of moisture from the skin and hair called TEWL, transepidermal water loss. Boo. Okay? Okay. What do you think? If you have any questions or if I've totally confused you, tell me about it on the Facebook page. I'll be happy to clarify. Well, I have a quick question. If we're using something like a Chubbs bar, which is more on the alkaline side, I mean greatly on the alkaline side, then when we're rinsing that product back off, you're saying that it may not have as much of a lasting effect as it seems? Well, and here's another point. Conditioners are almost always acidic. Oh, okay. So when you follow... Uh, it, when, it, when you follow a soap bar bath with a conditioner, you're helping to start the restoration process already. Okay. So, you know. Um, that was the only conflict that I had. So I think everything else is clear. Clear as a bell. Clear as, clear as can be. All right, Barbara. Shall we do it again next week? Hey, I'm, I'm up for it. Cool. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for joining us, as you always do. And thanks especially to our supporters, all of the donations, all of the Patreon people, everybody who shops through our Chewy website link. And yeah, happy grooming. See you next time on The Groom Pod. Bye-bye now. Bye.
Take care of yourselves. Do as I say, not as I do.